This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Always great to be back at the mic, Anthony. Uh, good to see you. I know that we've both uh, spent a little time out in the lake since we talked last. So uh, let's just jump right in there before we invite our guests into the virtual studio. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be back and good to be chatting. Uh, glad to be indoors on a day like today. Uh, Mother Nature's uh, breathing down our necks and giving us a little dose of uh, winter again. I know we talked a little bit about it on the last podcast. We'd been skirting by a little easy. I'm just glad that it's happening during the week and then hopefully she'll clear out by the weekend and we'll be able to get back out. I hope so too. And uh, for those who are listening, Shack Talk podcast, this is Season 7, Episode 9, we're going to drop this podcast on Friday, uh, the 24th, and we're recording it on Wednesday, the 22nd. And as you mentioned, Anthony, we've got a good old-fashioned Northern Plains blizzard bearing down on Fargo-Moorhead here, where both of us reside. And uh, they're saying by the time, I don't know if it'll be by the time we're done recording today, but by the time the sun sets tonight, it's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, our neighbors to the south are going to get the brunt of it. I mean, when they're talking measuring snow instead in feet instead of inches, uh, you know she's a little serious. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, it, you know, it's winter, and we we kind of we get used to living in in this part of the world, and we know these storms are part of it. And you know, sometimes we can laugh at them because that's all there is to do. But hopefully, everybody stays safe and doesn't get stuck out there in this weather. And heeds caution to what all of the meteorologists are saying and uh, stay safe and warm at home or, or who knows maybe you're riding it out in a wheelhouse somewhere <laughs> that that would be an option too if you're already there yeah all we can hope is that the uh, the weather doesn't put too much of a damper on the ice conditions and travel conditions and you know everybody will be able to to get by once things blow over but it's ice fishing it's still february and you know, hopefully this cold and snow means things will just last a bit longer. Yeah, you know, that's the silver lining, isn't it? Uh, every bit of ice we can add to the top of these lakes is that much more that has to melt before we give it up at the end of the year. And to me, that's a really, really good thing. Speaking of ice fishing, Anthony, what's been the latest and the greatest in your world? Yeah, we've been able to get out. Uh, as you mentioned, travel conditions around here have been really good. So I was able to get out this weekend, was able to drive around with vehicles out on a few lakes that we visited, um, was in the Park Rapids area, then up to Lake Winnie. And so put some miles on this weekend, chasing a few different species, uh, caught some fish and had some fun. It wasn't super uh, hot and heavy with the bites, but I feel like the weather going up and down and changing, um, you know, maybe had those fish in a little bit, maybe confused a little bit on what was going on, but we had a good time. Weather was pretty decent and made it home before some of the wind and stuff this weekend. How about, uh, how about you? I know you were traveling too. We were traveling too, but I got to ask you, Anthony, can you give us, can you divulge any secrets in the, what it takes world, whatever it takes world, as far as did you find some fish this weekend? Yeah, we added smallmouth to the list. Um, we added a few more uh, smaller subspecies like perch and walleye. Did get some, uh, did get a couple eel pout up on Lake Winnie. So 
you know, wasn't as great as we had hoped for. So we might have to revisit a few of those spots, but uh, it was nice to, to get a few more of those species on the board. Well, and for our listeners who are listening in, Whatever It Takes is a uh, Fish Addictions TV series this year, a little competitive series amongst all of you guys. And if, uh, if you want to check it out, and I would highly suggest that you do, uh, it's on YouTube. Is that correct? On the Fish Addictions correct. TV Correct. Yeah, channel? Fish Addictions TV. And, you know, we had a few heartbreaks this weekend. We lost a couple of fish. Then, you know, when you're fishing in a competition, those ones hurt a little more. And eh, it is what it is. And hopefully we can uh, recover from those. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And we'll do what it takes to, to make up for it, hopefully. Yeah, the season's not over. We got a lot of ice ahead of us yet still. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I was in... Uh, Boy, I tell you, it felt so good. I was back up on Lake Winnipeg. We were there last year, but essentially got relegated to, you know, one cabin day and two days, barely making it onto the lake because of a big, big whiteout storm. And I really felt like it didn't fish Lake Winnipeg last year. And prior to that, it was it was before COVID. So here we are, 2023. We had a great trip, great weather. Uh, conditions up there are... You know, it's like riding a bike when you get back up there and jumping all those little, those snow dunes out there and the frazzle ice and all the, the obstacles that get in your way and, you know, an hour snowmobile ride to the spot and then a ride home at dark. Fishing conditions were challenging, not going to lie. It's challenging, a lot of chatter up there about how, how tough the fishing was this year. But I tell you what, it was tough, but the bite windows, when they happened, were phenomenal. Uh, you know, we had five guys in our group. Uh, Scott Brewer got a 30 and a half and a 29. That guy, he's got a he's got a lucky horseshoe somewhere. I don't know where he's keeping it, but those are two really impressive fish. Um, my biggest was 25, which is nothing to scoff at at all. I was a nice walleye. Didn't get myself kicked out of the Undirty 30 Club yet, though, so still working on that. And and we, here was the, the real true bonus when we were up there fishing we met up on the ice with our Eskimo team members, Carlo Guzzi and Gianni Deveri. We had Johnny on here a few weeks back on Shack Talk. Got to meet both of those guys. Um, of course, Carlo's an old friend. I got to see him again and meet Johnny in person. Uh, that was awesome. Spend an afternoon fishing with those guys and just catching up after uh, so many years of not seeing them. And, and uh, another friend up there from the Winnipeg Walleye Club, uh, Don Lambert. And uh, Craig Ferris got to meet those two fellas and spend some time with them as well. That was a real bonus when you when you go on a trip like that. So yeah, great great time. Awesome, yeah. No, it's sounds like uh, fishing up there has been tough, but you never know. It's only one hook set away from uh, from that fish of a lifetime. Isn't that the truth? And it's so prevalent up there, you know. And I'll give you an example. Sunday we we sat all day. There was almost a non-existent morning bite. We sat all day. And out of five guys, the number of fish we had on the ice was, I think, two or three. That's a tough go of things when you sit there for eight, nine hours like that. But then the flips, the switch flipped, that bite window opened up, and for the next 45 minutes to an hour, it was game on, absolutely nutso. And and one of those big fish came in that time, another 25. You know, it, it, it made up for that long long arduous day and made the ride back into the cabin just a little more enjoyable yeah the grind is real up there yeah, it sure is it sure is hey anthony we've got some guests that are going to be joining us real quickly um let's uh 
Let's give them a little pre-introduction here. Yeah, fellow Eskimo team members uh, from Michigan, and so we'll uh, we'll get them in and talk to them a little bit about fishing opportunities in Michigan and and how they stay busy throughout the winter. So really looking forward to uh, inviting the the Strongs into the podcast here in just a few seconds and uh, hearing more about what uh, what they've been up to this winter and uh, maybe pick their brain a little bit about Michigan and and what it has to offer. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break and let's bring them in and we'll be right back with more Shack Talk. And we're back here on Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Uh, And we have our guests with us right now, Matt and Laura Strong of Ice Strong Outdoors. Matt, Laura, welcome to Shack Talk. Hi, thank Hello. you. Great having you guys. Uh, first time with us on the podcast. Uh, you've been you've been fellow Eskimo team members for uh, a while, and we've had the chance to to meet a couple of different occasions. So it was exciting for both Anthony and I to to have the opportunity to have you on and talk ice fishing here. We were talking right before we we kind of hit the record button about. Uh, and Anthony and I were talking in the, the intro about the winter storm that's about to hit. You guys are getting some weather in your neck of the woods as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, thanks for having us. We're excited to be on. And uh, yeah, we are uh, in an ice storm right now. Not so much uh, not so much snow, but they said a lot of ice, more ice coming. We actually just lost power right before this, so should be a fun night. Yeah, 20, 30 mile an hour wind, so... Ouch. It's always an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Winter's always an adventure in the Midwest, isn't it? It isn't is. Isn't that the truth? Especially this year. Mother Nature's been crazy. Yeah, we haven't really had much of a winter here. So, unfortunately, we've had to travel, you know. So, but it is what it is. Looking forward to spring. Tell us just a little bit, Matt and Laura, where you guys live. Um, tell us a little bit about Ice Strong Outdoors and, and how that brand how that that uh, um, program started what you did and and how it came to be well ice strong outdoors um laura and i created that uh probably i don't know eight years ago now um just kind of got into uh some spring bobbers and um through my salmon charters i had some good friends that uh are on the ice team and uh would, would bring me products from overseas and they wanted to know if I could make something like that since I always was making other lures for other companies and designing uh, other products. And so I, I took a look at them and made up some stuff and kind of went from there. You know, I just took right off and I'd go to the lake and there'd be 30 guys following me around and I, I would hardly get any fishing in because they were just wanting the bobbers. So it so- just went from there and we've just expanded ever since. So are you, do you actually, you, you sell to consumers, right? Directly to consumers or do you, do you sell to other retailers? Kind of what's your network look like? We do both. We do consumers and wholesaling. Um, you know, we, we started out, we currently live in Southwest Michigan. We're in Pawpaw, which is right outside of Kalamazoo. Um, but when we kind of started the ice strong thing, we were up North in Michigan. We were up in near Ludington. Um, so we kind of started out with, with, like Matt said, selling on the ice and selling on the docks for our trolling gear. 
And then it kind of branched out to, well, let's have some local Michigan stores start stocking some of our products. And now we've got stuff in almost every state. We've got some stuff in Canada. Um, It's just grown quite rapidly for us. That's quite the, quite the expansion. Uh, You know, what, um, is that something that you had always been involved in? I know, Matt, you talked a little about uh, developing and tinkering with things. Is that something that you've always been been a part of? Yeah. Um, I, I grew up uh, on the docks pretty much, started charter fishing at the age of 13, mating, and just doing being a little dock rat, you know. And um, it just, you know, when you fish every day, you run out of stuff. And, and back then, there just weren't stores, and you, you made stuff, you, you, you know. If you wanted the hot bait, you had to come up with it. So uh, it kind of went from there and um, got involved with some really big companies in Michigan and and helped grow them. And it was just time eventually to kind of go our own ways. And um, we we took off from there. So um, every day is a new experience and we're just enjoying every minute of it. You alluded a little bit, Matt, to the fact that you still do some or have affiliations with some of the salmon charters. Is that still something that you're actively involved in as well? Um, I actually retired from chartering 35 years in last year. Um, now I'm just concentrating on the business and doing a lot more tournaments. Congratulations. That's a yeah. heck of a run as a, as a charter captain and, and working the lakes and working fishing every day. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was time. Um, I, you know, being a captain is full-time job and, uh, just never got to go camping or go on, you know, summer trips, uh, you know, with friends and family. And so it was just time to finally stop fishing and go enjoy some other things that were, you know, available. And I thoroughly enjoy walleye fishing. And we didn't get to get over to the bay much um, because he was always chartering. And when he didn't have a mate, I was mating with him. So we were doing all that. Now we have time, we get to go walleye fishing, which is my favorite and travel and try some new things. Sounds like it's well-deserved to be able to have that break and enjoy some of the good things in life. So congrats again. Thank you. Does that mean that you guys get to spend a little bit more time on the ice as well? We're working on it. So <laughs> when, when we have ice. Yeah, we, we, have been, we have been depleted in the ice for the last two seasons. Um, we're making do, but I guess it's a good thing that the business has been so crazy that, um, you know, I think everything happens for a reason, and um, we're just kind of throwing – everything we got into the business right now. And hopefully we have some big things coming next year. And, um, you know, I, I really like chasing two pound perch. Um, I guess it's kind of like the unicorn of all fish. So maybe uh, cascade next winter for a full season. I don't know yet. So we're just kind of shooting around some ideas because Michigan where we're at is just not, uh, just not happening for ice fishing. No. Well, before we get too deep into Michigan ice fishing, because even though there's not, necessarily ice where you live i know there's other opportunities in the state that Mm -hmm. folks can take advantage of um i just have to say i ordered a couple of your new rod holders for my flip over shack and tested them out in lake winnipeg this weekend lots of great compliments uh including from myself they work amazingly talking about (laughs) a simple design but yet such functionality. So tell our listeners a little bit about that product, where that came from and uh, what it does. Oh, well, that product just, you know, kind of come about. We have a couple of really good friends that help us out with ideas and we fish together as a, as a, a group. And 
Um, so probably four years ago, we started playing around with a 3D printer and printing stuff. And, you know, it was hard to always have a, a dead stick rod in your shack. And, you know, my buddy's like, this is pretty cool. And we started playing around with it. And we like to test everything, you know, two, three years. So finally, we came out with that. That's our first version of it. And we have some other really cool options coming out next year. So don't want to give too much away. But um, yeah, it, uh, it took right off. So kind of more than I anticipated. Yeah, it works great. And for, for our listeners who are listening in, it's a it's a rod holder and it's it's um, fairly compact. It mounts right on basically what would you call that on the lip of your tub on your flip shack. Yep. And yep. and you just swing it outward when you want to use it. And when you don't, you swing it back in and it, it just sits right on top of the of that lip. Doesn't get in the way of anything, doesn't I mean it you don't even know it's there till you need it, and then it's right at your fingertips. Yeah, it's been very handy, you know, especially when you can fold it in and pack everything up. You don't have to worry about it. You're not throwing a holder in a bucket or wondering where your holder went. That was a seemed to be our biggest problem traveling, fishing. You know, you get to the lake and, you know, you hit all the bumps and the ice shelves and now everything's in your tub and you can't find this, can't find that. You find something that's in two pieces. So that was kind of a, one of the main reasons. And that's why we went ahead and we went with the stainless option uh, because we had tried some other materials, but like Matt said, you get out, especially like on Saginaw Bay and you're pulling that shack behind your snowmobile and you get there and some of the other materials we tried, they were breaking and cracking and not holding up to the super cold weather. Um, So stainless seemed to be the best option. Yeah, it it worked awesome. So kudos to you guys. And uh, where where can people find that if they want to order a set for themselves? Sure. Uh, right now we have them just direct on our website. So that's icestrongoutdoors.com. And then uh, with some of the new additions that are coming this year, we're going to be looking at possibly getting them into some retailers uh, for the next season. That is awesome. I know, you know, talking with Kyle about them and I know I've seen you guys as spring bobbers and stuff several times in the past and use them too. It's, uh, it's really fun to see you know, the average ice fisherman come up with a great idea and be able to bring it to market. I know a lot of different things. That's really just how it comes about. It comes about as a necessity. Um, and so those things are really cool. Really happy for you guys on that and looking forward to whatever other ideas that you guys come to <laughs> come to market with because I'm, uh, I'm always looking for those gadgets and uh, fun new things to, to add to the arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So as Kyle alluded to a little bit, we wanted to talk to you guys. I know ice conditions aren't the greatest in Michigan this year, but really wanted to to get some of your guys' feedback, uh, being uh, local Michiganders. Is that how you would say it? Uh, being <laughs> yeah, in Michigan works. there? Right. Being in Michigan there. And just maybe talk to us, uh, maybe help us inform our listeners. I'm, I'm sure we've got some listeners in Michigan as well, but what kind of opportunities does, uh, does Michigan offer? I know uh, a lot of people go up to the UP to do some fishing and do snowmobiling and stuff up there too, but maybe talk a little bit about two of the different regions and, and what kind of opportunities there are. Yeah, so our opportunities are endless in Michigan. We're very fortunate. We have pretty much lakes everywhere, and we have in the southern part, lower, we have lots of inland lakes, and, of course, we have Saginaw Bay, which is a tributary off of Lake Huron which is just uh, walleye mecca. And then we have a big population of perch that are in, in tight. And um, 
we have these little ditches that come off the bay that run into the little marinas that are usually full of uh, perch also. And, and you can move on up the state. There's lots of uh, other inland lakes and kind of get up to, up, uh, to the UP, which is, you know, I don't know. It seems like from the lower to the upper, um, it's a whole different world up there. I mean, it's uh, deep snow, uh, big lakes, uh, machines, a lot of slush. You know, where we're from, we don't uh, run machines down southern. You know, it's a lot of walking. Um, you know, the one-mans are awesome. The inferno and pack it up and just kind of get a rope and haul it around, you know. But, uh, yeah, we're not fortunate enough to have the big ice castles that you guys get to fish in. I watch you all sitting there in your heat and your T-shirts fishing with your your television's on. We don't get that. We sit on a bucket. <laughs> we put our hubs up and we're lucky if we have enough ice to have any heaters running, but um, unless you go up north. And like in the lower peninsula up north, a lot of people go to Houghton Lake, Burt Lake, Mullet Lake. Cadillac. Um, Cadillac, uh, Mitchell. Yep. And then the UP, they, like Matt said, there's a lot of smaller lakes, but most people talk about Lake Gogebic in the UP for the big perch. Yeah. Little Baby Knock is, is very popular and mm -hmm. Lake Independence. It's, it's a mecca up there, but you got, you know, that's eight, eight to eight to 11 hours depending on the weather, you know, but it's totally worth it. That was my next question. Just as you talk about these different areas and as you described in my, you know, I'm envisioning quite different characteristics, weather wise, climate wise, you know, uh, the distance that people travel, is it common for folks to, to go from your area up to some of those more heavily iced in and, and snowed in areas to fish? Yeah, absolutely. Like even, you know, Ohio, Indiana, everyone is coming up to the middle of our state, which is right now it's Burlack, uh, Mitchell, and uh, um, Cadillac area, which is for us, it's about three hours to get to some ice. And we're talking five to six to eight inches, you know, and that's, that's, what we have right now, I'd say within a weekend trip, but you know, the farther north you get, the better ice you're gonna get for sure. And really a lot of people here, a lot of our groups that we all fish with, uh, we usually head over to Simcoe quite a bit, at least once a year to do yeah. some site uh, fishing for perch and that kind of thing. So when you, when you live in Southern Michigan, you have to travel for sure. You've talked about perch a lot and that really, um, obviously plays into your spring bobber products that that you guys uh, sell is it is it primarily a, a, a real finesse bite up there in the lakes that you're fishing for these perch well like for gogebic it's more of a site um you're fishing a lot of dead sticks so if you know you're in your shack and you have a, a spring bobber on you know they're they can be a very light biter but you know with our electronics now we have live scope and you have the markham units and they're not sneaking up on you, especially with running a live scope, like inside your shack, you know, you can kind of see them coming from 30, 20, 30 yards away, which makes it nice, but um, they're just not a very aggressive fish up there. They're not like a perch where it's on Simcoe or like Devil's Lake in North Dakota. You know, they're, they're not, uh, they just come up and kind of look at the bait and I bet you one out of 20 will hit, you know, and, uh, but, but they're, you know, 13 to 15 inches. So, it's more of a trophy lake. Uh, it's kind of like hunting a 150-inch white-tailed deer. You know? And a lot of our lakes down by us in southern Michigan, they're, they're quite small, so they get a lot of pressure, especially when if, they, if we get any good ice, everyone's on these small lakes. Um, so the fish are very finicky. 
and they are very spooky. Um, so that's kind of where the whole spring bobber thing came from because we fished a lot of these small lakes and we needed something to really you know, have that indicator for us to see that we're, if we're getting a bite or not. Because we'll switch down to a two millimeter, 2.5 millimeter tungsten jig. And so- Or small you know, little ice flies. Little ice flies now on these real populated lakes and um, that the ultralight and the pulse bobber really helps out uh, seeing those negative fish. No, that's really interesting. It's like you said, it's a lot different than some of the lakes that we're used to fishing, but I'm sure uh, everybody listening has fished in conditions at some point in time, whether it's for perch or panfish or something where, you know, some days there's those fish, they, they just don't want to bite. And if you can force them to bite and uh, get that yeah. little subtle bite, it, uh, that makes the difference in being able to detect it or not. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of the, you know, just the weekend guys that are fishing, um, you know, they have the Markham units and, and a lot more live scopes now, but I think a lot of these guys aren't realizing when a fish is actually biting. They can bite so subtle. I mean, sight fishing, we've learned so much that they suck that bait in and they're not moving. Well, I mean, if, if you just, you know, a regular rod, you're not going to see that bite where, you know, a spring bobber, you're going to see an up bite or see it go limp or you, at least you have a clue that something happened and that's that's that fish sucking in that bait. Yeah, that finesse bite, you really are at an advantage when you have a spring bobber to detect uh, that light bite. Hey, there's a question I have. So I just got back from Lake Winnipeg, and, and a lot of the folks up there were talking about how some of these forward-facing sonar units are, in their mind, spooking fish. Like the fish will come in, but they won't commit. Um, yeah. do, do you see that? Is that something with the perch world? Absolutely. Too? Huge. Yeah. Big time. I thought it was just, I thought it was crazy. The first, you know, I think we've had a live scope now for, I don't know, since the second year, I didn't have the first year, but five or six years now. And I always thought it was weird, you know, Lord be like, there's fish out there, 25 faces. We'd I'd go 25, drill it down and mark them. And as soon as the bait got down, they're gone. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, what's going on? And so we spent time just chasing these schools around. Well, a lot of times now we drill the holes and we'll sit up and I'll actually walk a circle and push those fish back into where the baits are, which has really helped us a lot, you know? So that's an interesting no strategy. They're, they're reading, they're reading, they're picking up on something, you know, it's kind of like running to mark them in five foot of water and weeds, you know, bluegill fishing. Um, we don't even turn on our vexes or, or our markums anymore when I'm fishing under seven foot, just cause it, you know, it spooks them. It spooks them. It spooks them. Oh, they yep. hear something. And I think that's a lot of what we were encountering on, on Lake Winnipeg. Um, I was using a Markham flasher and, and, um, but we were fishing, you know, eight feet of water under the ice. So it's that shallow yeah. water. And I think maybe there's something to that. It'll be interesting to see how things develop going forward, just to see where that technology and, and any of that sonar technology moves. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But I'd say hundred percent. They, they, those fish, they feel it. They know something's going on. You know, um, like I said, it'll be, it'll be cool to see. I'm sure in the next three or four years, there'll be some pretty cool studies and, and whatnot. And there'll be some more answers. Anthony, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think there's definitely some impact. I liked Matt's point of, you know, you're being able to see how those fish are reacting under the ice. And I liked your your analogy of walking a circle and, and hurting the fish to you. It's, it's something that I've done before too. It's like, well, you know, let's drill a grid of holes and then let's see if we can, you know, 
spook them back into the holes where we can fish. And it's really <laughs> interesting to see how those fish react to not only the sonar, but you know, noise, foot traffic, vehicle traffic, drilling on top of the ice. It's something that you know you probably didn't think of much before we when we had this live or forward-facing sonar. Um, but it's really interesting to see how those fish react to certain pressure. And then you get to a different lake and you know, you can drill right on top of those fish in 10 feet of water and they don't even move. It's, it's really interesting. I kind of yeah. wonder. Um, sorry, oh, I was just going to say, I kind of wonder if it's just the awareness of the fish being there out at a distance because with the normal flasher, a lot of those fish were wondering if it's scaring them away. We wouldn't see them anyway. Right. And, <laughs> and that could be, it could be happening when we're using our normal flashers too. No, yeah. oh, absolutely. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, especially up on Gibek last year, you know, we were watching all of these perch come in and we were watching them swim away. I mean, it was so discouraging at the, at the beginning. And then I'm like, you know, with our other flashers, we probably wouldn't have seen a lot of them and we wouldn't have felt so bad to begin with. <laughs> but then after we really, you know, we, we watched how they interacted with our baits and we were able to figure out what they wanted, you know, it, it made a big difference in how we fished for sure. But like you said, we weren't seeing a lot of that with our regular flashers. So we didn't know. We didn't have that information. Yeah, it's an interesting new uh, new world to be a part of, uh, both through the ice and in open water. So very interesting. Yeah. So looking at your guys' ice season ahead, I, I know you said that there's not a lot on the, the prospects for, for ice, but uh, anything you guys have planned yet this winter to, to get on the ice? Um, we might be headed to go Gebic here another two weeks, just depending on conditions. And um, right now this is Michigan show season. We started up all our big shows. So right now we're, Hundred miles an hour, trying to get product out to a lot of these shops and for trolling, uh, trolling season. season and walleye season, and guys here are getting their boats ready, and so we'll see how it pans out. But uh, would would hope to get one more good trip in. We're really, really trying to think about what we want to do next season. We know we're going to have to travel somewhere if we want to get any quality ice. So, like Matt said, we're thinking about maybe Cascade or maybe going back up to the UP for a month or so and really get some fishing in since we didn't get a whole lot this year. It, you know, I've noticed this for people in the industry. When you can be out ice fishing, you're doing the open water product and show prep, right? And, yeah. and yeah. while you're doing the open water fishing, now you got to get ready for ice fishing season and ice show season. And it's kind of this reverse cycle. And people think, well, you work in the industry, you must be able to fish all the time. But you're the way you're talking, it's not really like that. No, no, like you said, it's we're constantly looking at the next season and trying to finish up the current season. So you have your last minute orders, you have your orders coming up for the next season. You've got people asking next ice season already. So you're always eight to 12 weeks, ahead, you know, you have to be juggling. No, it sounds like you guys are pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good busy though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I was going to ask too, I know you talked a lot about the open water season and, you know, last season uh, I was able to get over to Lake Michigan a couple of times. Are they, uh, they're talking a little bit more on some of the changes within the lake this year, which is the temperatures not dropping down or anything, any insight on how that might affect the fishing at all? Yeah. So we got very little ice um, on Lake Michigan, which is a good thing. It just means our fish are, are going to feed a little bit more. And right now 
I'd say most of our fish are packed down and down to the southern corner, down by Chicago and Indiana, all through that area. And it's a shallower, kind of like, it'd be like a bay, you know, they push up into that bay. And so as, as the water warms, those fish will feed more. And um, I'm expecting a really good year this year. You know, our plants are going to be up for the next three, four years. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to some, some, uh, some bigger things happening for Lake Michigan and, um, yeah, excited, uh, for our weather. It was, it was a good year and seems like the milder the winters, the more the, our bait population, the ale lives, um, they do, they get bigger and the fish get bigger, obviously if the bait's bigger. So kind of excited for this year. Let's, when we've talked to other guests and we've kind of focused on some of the different geographic areas, uh, here in the ice fishing part of the, the world, a lot of times we've asked them what's unique or special about your area. Sometimes we just pick it up on our own. Uh, we were talking about Maine ice fishing and, and our guest was, was talking about fish traps and it took me a little bit to figure out that they are tip ups. Right. And, and, uh, just some of that terminology or some of the different cultural differences, what makes Michigan ice anglers unique, whether it be them in their personalities or their techniques or tactics, what, what makes them special? I, I'd, I'd have to say it's just we're patient. I mean, you know, when we get ice, we go, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's crazy. Guys are, you know, Oh, we got two inches, two and a half over here. There's guys all over the place, you know, where other places, you know, you got to have four to five inches or whatnot and get a quad out. And I mean, you get two inches here, you're, you're, you're there, you're on it, you know, um, a spud and a pair of picks and you're, you're, you're at it. Yeah, I would say in addition to that, I think a lot of ice anglers in Michigan just have some some outdoor grit because um, we have to walk a mile, two miles, three miles sometimes and, and snow and slush because like Matt said, we don't get the ice down here for snowmobiles. So it is a lot of walking. It is a lot of hauling your gear. Even if you have the best smitty sled out there, it is still it is a lot of work to get stuff out there. And then if you want to bring your life scope, that weighs a hundred pounds, it feels like. So trying to get all that out there, it, it takes a special kind of person that's going to be able to do that. Now, you know, when you get up north or get to the UP, you can get your sleds out and you can get your quads out. And that helps tremendously. But for us to live in southern Michigan, it is a lot of walking and a lot of hauling. <laughs> Well, and that outdoor grit probably pertains to the UP folks too, when you're neck deep in snow and slush, right? That just, just a little yeah. different perspective, but you still got to have that grit. And I was going to ask, I've seen pictures of both of you with some pretty impressive white tail, uh, bear. You guys just don't fish, do you? You partake in the whole outdoor lifestyle. Yeah, we do it all. Yep. You know, it's, uh, it's lifestyle. It's like you said, you know, so. Yeah, we're just blessed to have uh, the opportunities. My my favorite hunting is whitetail, and uh, I know Matt's favorite hunting is probably what turkeys. Yeah, probably spring turkeys. Yep. Um, and we both got bear this past fall. That was had been on my bucket list for a long time, um, and that was a really really cool experience. But we we enjoy being outside. Uh, I love hunting. He loves hunting, fishing, Can hiking. We do all kinds of stuff. Can I ask you this? When you harvested your bear, did you save the fat? Did you did you render that down? There was no rendering of fat. No. <laughs> no? No. 
it's in the freezer and we've been a lot of sausage making and you know but i mean it wasn't like a moose you know we didn't get i mean we had two bears but really the it, it got processed within the hour we killed both of them yep. and uh we, we really didn't get a ton back i mean we had probably 30 40 pounds of sausage done up and some sticks and and we have some roasts and some tenderloins but it wasn't the same as like a deer you know by any means yep I had some some Lake Winnipeg walleye fried in bear grease this last weekend, and uh, oh, it, yum. it is that? amazing. Yes, it's yeah, amazing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's cool. I know it's a lot of work to do it, and and I benefited from someone else doing that work. So I'm just asking out of curiosity. <laughs> yeah, we're not true youpers by any means. We we had it processed, and I didn't even deal with the fat. So yeah. <laughs> But uh, I know a lot of people do, and they put it in jars and use it for all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, uh, that, that was yeah. a first for me. It was it was a neat thing. If you have the opportunity, I would I'd recommend it. It was pretty cool. A- Anthony, okay. we should jump into our uh, ice advice. Uh, Matt, Laura, if you've listened to any of the episodes this season, this is kind mm-hmm. of um, where we throw out a question. We got one question we we have thrown out to every single guest so far, and we have another one that we uh, rotate through. and And we've gotten some great questions from listeners that have sent in, um, you know, things that we want, you know, they want to hear from uh, our guests and their responses. And we kind of talk a little bit about what those questions are. But the first one is, the first one is in your mind when we talk trophy fish, what is a more difficult trophy to attain? Uh, 50 inch muskie, 40 inch pike, 30 inch walleye, and then we jump down to uh, 15 inch crappie, uh, 15 inch perch, or 11 inch bluegill, or anything else you want to throw in too. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with a uh, 14 inch rock bass. A 14 inch <laughs> rock bass. There we go. He's adding that to the list. Oh, that's a trophy, right? <laughs> that is a trophy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in my mind, they're the ones you talked about are doable. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to complete that list. Um, I guess for us, probably the pike. I mean, we have Lake St. Clair full of muskies, and and we have Lake Erie two hours away in Saginaw Bay. So the walleye, that's pretty common, you know, when you put time in. I'm not saying there's 30 inches everywhere, but. Yep. We, we catch a couple 30 inches, especially coming up fishing, uh, jigging the rivers, you know, Detroit River and um, the, 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 probably the crappie, a true, you know, bump board, 15 inch crappie here. That's a, that's a dandy. Um, but you know, they're, they're, it's doable. There's some lakes, some small back lakes that guys don't talk about that just have those big fish. And, um, my biggest, uh, bluegill is probably right at 11. Laura's caught a few lady luck over that. Um, we have a couple of lakes that just hold really big fish and, but so, the majority of our lakes don't. Yeah, getting anything you know, close to eleven inches is amazing. Those are trophy fish, you know, yeah. especially when you you talk true bump board fish, you know. So, uh, the perch, though, anything over you know thirteen at fifteen inch perch, that's just that's a unicorn in my book, and I've spent a lot of time and money and gas chasing those fish. <laughs> so for me, uh, that perch is a true true fifteen sixteen inch perch is amazing. Is is he's the one for me. I just love hearing everybody's response to this because everybody has a little different take. Part of it is their experience. Part of it is their geographic location, where they live, what's available to them. Mm-hmm. And and part of it is just, I think, 
you know, everybody's personality and what, what they like to pursue. So, sure. Well, for that first, for us, I mean, we got to travel. You got to, you know, if you want to, seems like these big, huge fish are living in these special places. So I'm trying to find those special places and you get to go up with a group of friends and, you know, um, try some techniques that you're not familiar with. And sometimes, you know, that big fish is just meant to be and he bites on something that, you know, maybe you were crappie fishing and you catch a 16 inch perch, you know, I mean, it's happened. Um, same thing with a walleye. I know I've caught my biggest Northerns walleye fishing on green Bay. So, um, I don't know. It just, uh, there's a lot of luck and, but if, if you're not fishing, you're definitely not going to catch them. That's, that's hundred percent. Right. Amen. Or you're, or you're 10 yards away from a 30 inch green back, right, Kyle? It, it, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I got to see it. I got to take a picture of it. So yeah, that's, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's on the bucket list for sure for us. Well worth it. Well worth the trip and well worth the experience. All right. Well, I do have one more question that came in from one of our listeners. And, you know, one of the things, and, and I meant, it's funny because you had even mentioned, you know, downsizing and using the small tungstens, but their question was, you know, what are the the pros and cons of using tungsten versus just the original, you know, kind of lead-headed jigs for ice fishing? And I thought it was a really interesting question because most people nowadays, it seems like everything is tungsten, you know, smaller, denser, heavier gets down there. But, you know, I thought it'd be an interesting question, Matt, for, for you guys in the spring bobbers. Do you guys use any, you know, small lead jigs? I know you mentioned flies. Yeah. Um, what's your take on that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously the tungsten is a faster fall rate and, and that's the way I look at it as a presentation. So I, I've noticed, you know, from the very get go, you're sitting there in front of your Markham and there's fish down there and he's bright red and you want to drop your drig right space. You let it go and you get it down there and he takes off. A lot of it is, is that lure getting down to that fish so pausing it 10 foot before and feathering it down so he's not so he's got to come up to it you know and a lead there i mean a lead is an awesome deadly jig i mean that's there's there's room in my box and um i usually have a couple rigged up especially when we're fishing you know inside of 10 foot um tungsten you know it's a smaller profile but small is not always the answer sometimes they want a big bulky piece of plastic on the end or a bunch of, you know, spikes. So I think it's more of a presentation for me, um, just uh, what the fish are seeing and how they're reacting to the bait. So Matt and I, we ice fish very differently from each other. Um, he is constantly changing jig sizes, jig types, jig colors. He is sitting still for about two seconds before he goes to another hole. I mean, he's just he needs to wear a pedometer because he would have an amazing amount of steps. He's going everywhere. I, on the other hand, I am very set. I usually only use a three millimeter or four millimeter tungsten. And I have maybe five or six colors that I use the majority of the time. And I will sit in a hole for a good amount of time. And I'm a little more patient than he is. Um, I've used the ice flies and some lead here and there. I just have always, fished like I, I learned fishing tungsten so I think I'm stuck with tungsten you know he's much more experimental and fast-paced than I am when it comes to the fishing <laughs> so who catches more fish me <laughs> I agree 
No hesitation <laughs> there at all. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Enough to elicit a pretty quick response, though, huh? Yeah, there's, there's something to be said about being patient, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or maybe it's the fact that he's running circles around me and it goes back to him hurting those fish straight back to me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Give him a little credit. I like that too. That's yep. a good, that's a good team approach. I just got to get away from on our ice fishing, you know, it makes me look yeah. bad. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my plan half the time. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that's great. Uh, great feedback. And I, I think that really is a really good, point to take away from that is just really focusing on the presentation. Um, I like your, your comment about slowing down when you're dropping a bait towards a fish. Um, you know, you want to make it look natural. You don't want something just dropping down and it's right there in their face. You know, like you said, feather it down, take your time. I, I know everybody gets excited when you got fish on the screen, but you also don't want to spook them away once you're there either. Right. Right. It's interesting. I've noticed more this year, I think, than any that the rate that you drop your lure definitely affects how that fish reacts to it. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. It, your point is just spot on, and and it doesn't seem to matter what the species is either. Yeah, I, I like to eat. I mean, those fish, you know, it's their world. Just trying to somehow fool one of them, you know, and so. I mean, you know, dropping a five millimeter tungsten right in their face, just, I just not had much luck with it. So, or knocking them um, out, that doesn't work very well either. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'd say yeah. we've learned quite a lot with the, with the live scopes and, and the technology that's out there and that's available now. And I know a lot of guys, there's the guys that will make fun of it and say it's cheating or, or the fish have no chance. It, now, it doesn't mean you're going to catch those fish. There's been, a lot of times where we've chased schools and schools of fish and never caught fish. I mean, and there's also been times where we go out there with a live scope and put it down and there's not a fish within a mile. So now what do you do for three or four hours? You know, it's kind of like bummed out all day. So it goes both ways. Yep. You can go fishing, but uh, catching isn't always guaranteed. No, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Well, guys, I, I did want to just say a, a quick thanks. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll probably get things wrapped up here. Um, it was really great talking to you guys, getting to know a little bit more about uh, Ice Strong Outdoors and everything that Michigan has to offer. Uh, hopefully we can send some of this cold weather your way and, and maybe get you a little ice before the season is over. Yeah, but, we'd appreciate um, it. But if anybody has any um, questions for you guys, Michigan, um, your products, uh, what's the best way for them to find you guys or get a hold of you? Yep. Um, so there's a few ways. We have a, a, a live chat that I usually I monitor all the time on our website, icestrongoutdoors.com. Um, you can just pull up as a little green button up on the bottom. It says live chat, and it comes right to my phone. So I answer that almost any time of the day. Uh, we also are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And our email address is sales at fishicestrong.com. So any of those work fine. You know, we're monitoring all the time. I have my phone like everyone else glued to me. So if anyone needs anything, we're here. Awesome. No, that is great to know. And, and I'm sure our listeners that are, are listening in, um, you know, hearing about the, the spring bobbers and the new uh, rod holders that Kyle mentioned, they'll hopefully send some orders your way. I know uh, after hearing about Kyle's experience with those uh, rod holders, I might be 
purchasing a couple myself. So looking forward to that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us and thanks for the support. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thanks for joining us on the, the podcast. Uh, really excited to, to get to talk to you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to cross paths again here not too soon and uh, be able to get out on the ice again. And until then, for all of our listeners and for you guys as well, uh, be safe. Uh, ride out this storm and hopefully ice conditions will uh, remain and everybody will be able to get out and do some fishing. So until next time, uh, get out and have some fun. Thank <laughs> you.